Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ellie McCrimmon appeared on this week's 32 Thoughts podcast, which began to air yesterday. We will dissect what the VGK general manager said, and we preview tonight. You like that one, huh? And tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> as VGK looks to break out of its two-game losing slump. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for tuning in. We provide all the information right here on the podcast. You can find our podcast wherever you get podcasts. And please subscribe to the Lockdown Vegas Golden Knights uh, YouTube channel. Find us at Lockdown VGK, at Tony Dasco, at TD Chris G on Twitter. Of course, of course, Chris, uh, your guy, your guy, Kelly McCrimmon. There's the fog again. Uh, he did a one-on-one podcast uh, while in Canada uh, when they were playing in Toronto, the Golden Knights. And they just released this uh, podcast yesterday. And, of course, I don't know where to begin with this one. But as we start to unpack everything, uh, let's start with Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, of course, uh, we have said that McCrimmon has more or less hitched his wagon to Eichel, right? And uh, as Eichel goes, so goes the success story or not of Kelly McCrimmon. And uh, he talked about the trade for Jack Eichel. Uh, not a lot of earth-shattering uh, information here, but he talked about how he would fit in with the team, how they needed an F1 setter, uh, not Formula One, but just a top-line setter. And, and then, you know, he talked about discussions going on for a long time, how they needed to clear some cap space of getting to Donoff, uh, the trade that misfired. And then he said, you know, picking up a $10 million uh, player in the middle of the season is something that's very uncommon. And I didn't know how, uh, how what he was trying to get at here. Just, okay, we, we're going to talk about salary cap issues and all that. Uh, but he said he didn't know how Eichel would uh, be post uh, neck surgery and all of that. Let's first chat about the Jack Eichel, um, about the stories, you know, that he shared about Eichel, uh, everything that transpired, how they got him in, how they got him under the cap. And, you know, how they fit him into this uh, th- this team and the framework. And I just, you know, I, I have to go back to the fact that McCrimmon, uh, McVeigh, uh, the whole, um, did I say, what did I say there? McVeigh. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why, why do, does the front office always talk um, to the Canadian media and not here? It's an interesting question, and I mean, uh, of course, we got a horse in that fight, I guess. Now, um, it's 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 kind of weird to me because when you listen to McCrimmon talk in these, this is now the second, I believe, uh, appearance he's had in that, over you know last few months or something like that, and he's he's likable when he talks. Like he, the stories from you know the the off hockey stuff, like when they talk about the farm and all of that, just. He's a, a good conversation listening to him, and I honestly wish he would talk a little bit more locally, you know, whatever it may be, 
because he does actually come across as a likable person, uh, despite what you know many here in Las Vegas um, would probably beg to go otherwise. But yeah, the Jack Eichel trade, hearing a little more about that, trading for a $10 million player in season, certainly not easy hearing about how hard he worked to get back on the ice and the impression that was made on the players around him. And I enjoyed the stories about the first contact, actually. Um, it was basically the, the host of the show were putting the frame in, okay, it's time for contact. Who's going to be the first one to test him? Who's going to be the first one to to give him a little something in, in practice? And at that point, you get a little bit nervous. And then from uh, they went on to talk about when Jack Eichel took a pretty hard hit, Kelly McCrimmon and McPhee were sitting next to each other up in the box and they were both kind of like, okay, there's a pretty big hit right there. Kind of looking at each other, waiting to see how it was all going to go down. And it it just goes back to Jack Eichel's character though, the entire conversation about how hard he worked to get back to game shape. I mean, he was on the ice in such a short amount of time after the surgery actually happened. I remember uh, um, George McPhee mentioned, I think that Jack Eichel went out to dinner the night he actually had the surgery as crazy as a, as crazy as all that sounds, but you know, Jack is doing everything he needs to do to fit in with this team. And he is just an excellent leader. And unfortunately he suffered the thumb injury, which was talked about. And how did maybe John Strickland, if you're, if you can, uh, if you're checking out today's show, you're, you're, you're our resident doctor, resident, no pun intended, but they mentioned he was taking nerve blockers. Was that the appropriate terminology for yeah, his thumb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For his what, thumb, n- nerve what blockers. What does that mean? A ner- like, is that basically is that a shot in his thumb? thumb? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know what that means. So, uh, so John Strickland, if you're checking this out, or anyone that you know knows a little more besides googling what a what a what a nerve blocker is, I'd be curious to to, le- to learn about that. Yeah, and it is George McPhee. I'm just a little rattled here this morning. Don't mind me. I just have a lot of hoops going on in my head. <laughs> a lot of hoops games this week. Uh, so the year anniversary came and went. And, uh, of course, I liked what uh, McCrimmon, in laying out the, the Eichel story, said about why they went after this shiny new toy. And now it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, during the Edmonton bubble, uh, he talked about uh, seeing uh, players like Petrangelo and Victor Hedman. And uh, and then he said, we need players like that. And thus, as soon as Petrangelo, you know, became the free agent, they went after him. That's why they were aggressive there. And he called them uh, core pieces, both Eichel and Petrangelo. Yeah. And you look at the Stanley Cup winners. We, we've lightly hit on this in the past. All the Stanley Cup winners have some level of a generational talent or at least that F1, that that center that top line center that stands apart from the rest of the team. And, you know, I think the golden Knights were hoping your boy, William Carlson would maybe blossom to that player, 40 goals. I mean, there's, you know, he was on the path to maybe doing that. Obviously it didn't work out like that. So he's focusing on his 200 foot game, knock it off, Tony. Um, But outside of that, you know, you look at the Stanley cup winners, a, a core defenseman and a difference making type of, top line center so you know when it you you got to copy the other teams right that's uh that's how uh, the nhl is it's a copycat league you find uh, the best uh, team you can put together and you look at what has led to success from other teams avalanche mckinnon kale mccarr um you mentioned uh headman you mentioned uh stam coast you mentioned all the other talent around tampa even going back to st louis you got tarasenko you got petrangelo and then going farther back to like the blackhawks when things were going really well for them uh, you got Jonathan Taves, and then 
you know, Duncan Keith is your defenseman. Uh, Los Angeles Kings, you got Anze Kopitar. Uh, you got Drew Doughty. You can go on and on and on and on and on. So the Golden Knights are simply looking at the last, you know, 10-12 Stanley Cup winners, looking at the rosters and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay, so you got uh, on the back of your jersey, send them home. I'm going to get – I want to put – I want a jersey with the nameplate that says cooking the books. <laughs> when he said that they weren't cooking the books, what does that tell you? They were cooking the books. I don't know. I mean, Come on. I get so – okay, let's talk about the Mark Stone situation and all that. Um, Mark Stone going to LTI cooking the books. is – I love it. I oh, love no, it, it wasn't well, we weren't. But... We weren't. We weren't. We weren't cooking the no, books. No, they, they put it right out there, and I like it. But, you know, you, you listen to a little more of that podcast. And, I mean, it, there there was a plan when they traded for Eichel. And it was, in, in not so many words, it was the Donoff. And they, it was the Donoff. It and was they the Donoff. We knew, that, we knew that domino was going to fall the way it was. But although there, they, they did say there was, you know, possibly a plan before that, and then all the injuries, they didn't have to do as much. So, I mean, there might have been more things happening, too. We can maybe talk about that later, obviously. Um, but I, I got to find out what is, what was this thing taken out of Mark Stone's back? Like a crater, a, they call it something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got to take a was, look at that, but it was a big disc. I don't want to see, you want to see a picture of that? Yeah. Let that. me, let me get a screen share going right now. Give me no. A oh, come on, man. <laughs> I, I'll, yeah. I'll look at it on my own time when I, when I got an empty stomach, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the timing of everything, I don't think they were necessarily cooking the books. I do think that. They were, you know, being a little more creative than maybe they needed to. Then, you know, and they they took the situation that was given to them. They had all these injuries happen. So instead of the traditional way, you have a healthy team, you you send a player or two to find your, your salary cap relief. You have all these injuries. So it goes to, you know, plan B, so to speak. And it almost did work out to, you know, a very imperfection perfection where the players were going to start to come back to health. And if they would have squeaked into that last playoff spot, it would have been a pretty impressive uh, roster with Riley Smith coming back. But I think we can agree even still, they would not have been nearly as competitive as they needed to be. The, the players are still too banged up, starting with Mark Stone. And then the long-term effect, if Mark Stone would have come back and played last season, would he be uh, knock on wood full health right now? And the answer is probably not. And then he said, objectively, uh, injuries, you know, Definitely hurt this team last year. Uh, and he did have a good point, Kelly McCrimmon, about the fact that, yes, we saw players come back late in the season, uh, but they didn't play together. So there was no chemistry. And that's a good point, you know, that he made there. Uh, I just always believed that uh, Pete DeBoer, they just weren't buying into his system. They needed a, that new voice in, in the locker room. They truly did, regardless of who was on the ice at any given time. Yeah, I mean, you you see the effect, and it's not necessarily a shot as much at Pete DeBoer as much as it's just sometimes it is time for that new voice. And, you know, Pete DeBoer is maybe um, that soda that you leave in the fridge and you take a sip a couple hours later, it gets a little flat. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm, I guess I'm taking a shot at him when I say something like that. But DeBoer, you do look at his shelf life, not just in, in Vegas, but, you know, he's every three, four years, it seems like he's kind of on the move. And, you know, some people are just that type of coach where they don't stay in one place and, you know, whatever their, their niche is, whatever it is that they do behind the scenes, it, it has, you know, DeBoer's, DeBoer's niche is early success, right? It is early success and deep playoff runs. And when he first joins a new team, and that obviously rang true with the Vegas Golden Knights, it also rang true 
uh, historically with other teams making deep runs. I believe San Jose and New Jersey Devils, extremely deep playoff runs. So, you know, you wonder if the Dallas Stars are going to repeat that. Um, Vegas, obviously, he went to the uh, conference final in the bubble for his first season. So, you know, DeBoer's got his way of doing things. And Cassidy had, had I believe, a six-season shelf life in Boston, plus uh, two, three, four seasons before that uh, at the AHL level. So, you know, maybe Cassidy has a different type of shelf life. And he finds ways to keep the team, you know, entertained isn't the word. He's not there. Energized. But energized uh, in the game and and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, He said. uh, Engaged is not a good word. Engaged is a good word. Okay. Uh, So so he said, uh, you know, that because they lost in the playoffs, we could see this with the early jump perhaps. Uh, you know, I think that they had an opportunity to recharge their batteries. Uh, this team is the first time in three years, correct, uh, that uh, the Golden Knights were able uh, to have like that full off season and make babies and do things like that. You know, uh, but that was bad. Yeah, I know. Bad swipe. Bad chirp. Bad chirp. Uh, but, you know, th- this is a team, he said, uh, that he felt had the best talent, the best roster this is a broken record every year. This is the best team we've ever had. What did we hear this year? This is the best team we've ever had. He said it was the best team they ever had last season. But again, that off season, I think definitely helped because we saw that early jump in this season. Yeah, no doubt. And I do buy in that the season five roster on paper, this is before season six existed, of course, but I do buy that the season five roster on paper, once the Eichel move was completed, not, not prior to that, but once the Eichel move happened, that was the best team on paper. It doesn't mean the best results necessarily, but that was the best team on paper. And obviously we look at the season six team. I I don't know if the season six team on paper is better than the season five or even the season two team. Now we look at what Jack Eichel is doing and the way everything is starting to to click. Maybe it is going to end up being the best team. And this obviously, um, you know, the goaltending is still an asterisk, especially these last, uh, you know, last 10, 12 days or so, there's a lot of games we're giving up three three or more goals um, when the goalies are in the net, not not uh, pulled goalie situation. So, you know, there is a little bit of a concern happening right now, and the Golden Knights are going through some of that adversity. And, um, you know, I know we'll, we'll, t- we'll hit this on segment three, but um, tonight's the it's going to be an interesting crowd. And, you know, outside of the hot dogs, um, you know, the crowd's going to be on edge a little bit tonight. And if they don't get a win tonight, this is going to, We'll see how the press goes after the game. I'll I'll be there tonight as well, so we'll see what happens. Coming up next, we'll talk about Kelly McCrimmon and his discussions about the salary cap. We'll get into all of that when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information for stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league that is out there. From football to basketball to soccer to esports, We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those on BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting in, your betting fix, and head to the website today, or you can use your mobile device to learn a lot more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And uh, again, please subscribe to our Locked On Vegas Golden Knights uh, YouTube channel. The thing is on fire, as they say. And uh, make sure to leave some comments, subscribe, all that. We appreciate all the comments on there. Good 
and bad. Okay. And so we want to get back to uh, Kelly McCrimmon. He was on the 32 Thoughts podcast uh, that was just released yesterday. And I want to get into uh, the salary cap, but he did take a little swipe at the fans saying, you know, some of the fans just don't understand um, everything, all the ramifications. And again, um, what they flat cap uh, in this era, he feels that uh, he feels that they have done pretty well uh, against the cap. And they did have to cook the books or do whatever they did last year. They did. They had to behind the scenes because uh, there were just too many injuries and players in and out. And I really don't know how many of those injuries were leg- legit. I don't. I mean, no one does outside of, of course, the front office. I mean, yeah, like I said, Tony, there's there's all these rules in place with the salary cap and things like that. There are individuals paid on each franchise to know the ins and outs and outs and ins and everything uh, everything else about the salary cap. And, you know, there's sure. I mean, all the teams are probably uh, getting a little kinky at times, if you will, to follow up with your uh, with your uh, poor pun earlier, but you know, teams do get a little kinky with uh, with the books every now and then, and so be it. I mean, this is this is Vegas. I mean, if there's any uh, city that that's about kink and a uh, cook in the books, uh, you know, this is uh, <laughs> this is the spot. I guess now you got me going down that that path right there. But the big thing to understand, and this is a comment that I I made many times. Yes, Max Pacioretty was a dump. Okay, fine. Not not Max Pacioretty. You know what I'm saying there. His trade was a dump of his salary. Marc-Andre Fleury was a dump of his salary. In return, we got a no-name player from the Blackhawks, and we got future considerations. But what we really got from Max Pacioretty was $7 million. Yeah, in cap space. dollars to utilize, which basically went to all of the uh, restricted free agents at that time, which was uh, uh, Haig, Wah, Coley, and uh, I think there was, oh, they, they, made, they made a deal to, to sign White Cloud long-term as well. So, I mean, that's how you have to look at that. And there was a good analogy made as well, where if they would have instead, um, uh, McCrimmon made the comment, McCrimmon plan, um, that if they would have traded Riley Smith and retained Max Pacioretty, people might have actually looked at that as a better situation as far as the outcome, not for the player that we retained, but we might have gotten something back for Riley Smith on the trade market, draft pick, prospect, whatever that may be. So it might have had a different optic, I think, was the point that McCrimmon was trying to make. But yes, fans, we don't have a full understanding of what happens. I say we, me and Tony are with you as well. But it's not just about the player, or the draft pick you get in return. It's about the the totality of the situation. Whenever you make a trade, it has a something attached to it, another domino falls. And Max Pacioretty was handed to the, the Carolina Panthers, Panthers, geez, Tony, I'm here. I go with you to the Carolina hurricanes for absolutely nothing, but that nothing became the opportunity to retain our RFAs and find a way to keep Riley Smith. Most importantly. Well, the only thing here, the only issue I might have is that why not discuss this with like the local media or, get the word out so that fans could better understand because I mean, the way that he posed everything and he laid everything out. Now we have a better understanding that future considerations equals $7 million. Okay. In the instance of max packs. Okay. So why not discuss this 
with the local media or get the word out here locally so that there isn't confusion with fans thinking we got nothing in return for this organization. That was the only issue that I had with, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and being transparent. Now, Bruce Cassidy would break down every ounce of it if you asked him, you know, other than your questions that you ask, he deflects those. But he would break down every single part and portion of, you know, what this means and why they, to justify why they're trading players or moving players. I think that's something that the fans would like to know. And that is a very fair comment. I mean, McCrimmon doesn't do a whole lot of, you know, appearances and stuff like that. He'll talk in the preseason, obviously, uh, when there's a move that's announced or if there's a trade, he'll jump on that. But you don't see him out there a lot in the media. And I don't think he needs to campaign by any means. The on-ice product and results do speak for themselves. I know there's a lot of arguments about about McCrimmon in that role, but at the end of the day, the results are the results. And what's happening right now is obviously uh, can go back to McCrimmon and his uh, creation of this roster. Um, But yeah, it would be nice, Tony, if there was a little more of an explanation when these things happen. Um, I think you and I have a different level of understanding at times of what's happening, but to hear it from the horse's mouth, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's what Gary Lawless actually said, get it from the source right here. You know, Gary Lawless was very passively, you know, telling the fans, hey, you know, hear, hear, hear the man talk, hear what he has to say. And it would be nice if it was someone local, if he did talk every now and then. And, Mc, and um, uh, McPhee as well it would be nice. Foley talks locally a little bit, I believe. But it would be nice to hear a little more from McCrimmon locally. Absolutely. Yeah. Just again, because that just clarifies what they're doing. Uh, the fans would understand better. So they're not up in arms about everything that's going on. We're going to take shots regardless. And uh, I just found it interesting that uh, before he got to Las Vegas, that McCrimmon had never met George McPhee. He never yeah, I, I found that interesting, too. He gave him a lot of compliments, obviously, for being a great mentor, friend. And I think it was just, you know, a great hockey person, and all of those things. And, you know, it, it's a small world. I mean, there's only, you know, 32 ish general managers at one time. And obviously there's a, a revolving door to a degree. But, yeah, it's, um. You know, the other thing I found, um, and, and McPhee also hit on this, so the comments about the roster turnover for the Vegas Golden Knights or how players are handled, if you will, uh, there was two comments that stood out to me, and this was one that was also made by McPhee uh, over the summer, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it was since 2017-18, our first season, the Vegas Golden Knights still have seven active players on the roster, including an entire friggin' line being the misfit line. That ranks per uh, McCrimmon fourth in the league or fourth or fifth as there's, far as there's four other four other teams that have more. So right, would, exactly. Would so, be fifth. Yeah, exactly. So they're taking uh reminding us that we do keep uh, the core uh players together. And there was one more comment in there. I was gonna get it and it just kind of slipped. I don't know. It went away. It's gone. It's in the fog. It's you in the talk. <laughs> you talk, I'll cut you off when it comes back. No, it's okay. I don't have much more to say about uh Kelly McCrimmon, uh, other than he didn't mention Brandon Wheat Kings, but I was trying to count the number of references. I think it was only four times. So it's pretty good. (laughs) But it's interesting learning. I mean, you know, McCrimmon's path wasn't even hockey, it seemed like, as far as like for for his income. Yeah, farming farming. was the thing. Go back and run the farm. The family was uh, passionate about that. And he, you know, had his time as a player, as a coach, as a player coach. And then, uh, 
you know, he, and his first couple seasons as the GM of the Wheat Kings didn't necessarily go to plan. Uh, the amount of wins they had were were very poor. So he he bought his um, I don't think this is the perspective, but he bought his job security by buying a third of the team from the owner. So he, he, you can't fire the owner, I guess. Um, and then uh, he bought the entire team and uh, the rest is history for how he has uh, navigated through uh, the hockey landscape. Coming up next, uh, VGK tries to break out of this slump. They've lost two straight games. Slump. slump. <laughs> the fans Come are in on, arms. Please. That's where I was going. Everyone's fire. pushing the, the panic button, it appears. Chris will be in attendance. Up next, our preview of the Golden Knights against the Arizona Coyotes right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back, and thank you for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on Odyssey, on the Odyssey app, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We appreciate you all tuning in once again, as always. And uh, thanks again for making us your first listen. And please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. So, so uh, yes, it is doom and gloom around here. Um, fog and slog or whatever. I don't know. But Bruce Cassidy, okay, Coach, Ca- Coach Cassidy yesterday said the Golden Knights need to have a sense of urgency now because they haven't put any points on the board the last couple of games he just says he's very concerned and he's concerned about of all teams the Arizona Coyotes and the Coyotes are in the midst of a 14 game road trip 14 games so they were able so they had like think this is the fifth game of the first phase they were able to go home to Arizona and then they're playing in Vegas and then a little breather, they go back home, and then they will play four more games. And then they go back home, and then they'll round out this road trip, which is just horrendous for them. You'd like to be playing them a game 14, to be quite honest. But, yeah, this is a difficult situation for them. But, again, they're sounding an alarm here. Is there cause for concern? We're getting the Coyotes off of three full calendar days off, number one. I think that probably bodes better for Vegas than Arizona when you've had that much time just to kind of practice and you you get away from the game speed a little bit. This is a really great spot for Vegas to get an early start. Um, I mean, yeah, doom and gloom. uh, There needs to be urgency. I mean, this is – it's – it's, it's tough to buy into that, first of all. It's tough for me to sit here and say this 13-4 and four team, just because they lost two games in a row, we're sitting here talking about urgency and concern and, you know, like it feels like a game you got to have right now. I mean, you lose three and you lose three straight games at home. That's when coaches get fired here in Las Vegas. So how crazy would that be? McCrimmon to the bench to, uh, you know, save the team as a GM slash coach, and it'll, it'll be amazing, but that's not going to happen. This but, is, but, but Cassidy has to be seeing some slippage for him to make comments like that. Um, I think there is a new level of accountability here. And maybe if we're going to, um, you know, start twisting uh, the media, you know, ropes and start pulling a little bit here, 
maybe, just maybe this is something from Foley in the sense that you have Max Pacioretty's comments over the summer about the country club and you just lost a game, you're out washing your car, whatever the, the comments were that Pacioretty made. Point being, Pacioretty was saying it's a very laid back atmosphere, win, lose, or draw in Las Vegas. And it's a fair statement based on the way things went. And you read between the lines from other players. I'm not necessarily going to um, disagree with his statements. So maybe someone like Foley or McCrimmon or McPhee does take some level of um, offense to that. And so they've been on Cassidy again. We're just, I'm just guessing. I got nothing to cite this with. It's just my own little, uh, little um, perspective right now, but you know, this is a new situation and accountability when the team had a nine game winning streak in the off season and the preseason and training camp, whatever you want to call it accountability. You did know you did you did see that there was going to be much more accountability this year. And you feel it when you watch the players talk, you feel it, you felt it all preseason long. You felt it when the regular season started. So maybe this is about that accountability. And more importantly, you know, the bar, when we first talked Tony about how he thought the season was going to go, the bar was about 500, a little bit better, you know, some good games, some bad games. And as the season progresses, the team will progress. Things will get better. And now you know, we had a, a real good run for a while. Now all of a sudden it's two games, uh, two losses in a row. So the team needs to get back on it. And this is, an, I'll say it again, this is a new era for the Vegas Golden Knights right now. And this is something uh, back to um, uh, McCribbin's comments. You want to improve as the season goes on. In the second half, you want to be better than the first half. In the late stages before the playoffs, you want to be better than the second half. And obviously, when you get to the playoffs, you want to be better than you were for the entire season. And it's tough to be better uh, after you have a nine-game winning streak, but you have to keep that bar high. And all of a sudden, the Vegas Golden Knights are no longer that uh, you know that expansion uh, feel-good story. They're a team that other teams want to beat really badly because we are one of those good teams. We're one of those teams that are circled on the calendar now, especially for teams like Arizona and San Jose and St. Louis, who are having a rough season and other teams that want to measure themselves up against one of the, uh, the best teams in the Western conference. Alec Martinez on this losing streak. I think the words came out wrong, kind of like yours and mine this morning, but losing streak, they, two games. He said <laughs> they need to nip it in the butt. I think it's bud. <laughs> I don't think you nip it. He's blocked a lot of shots, Tony. He's blocked a lot of shots. So Martinez, nine block shots. Uh, the game, uh, the last game, uh, career high, and he ties the uh, franchise record with Derek England. Seventy-nine block shots so far this year. He leads the league, and he's uh, according to VGK Communications, fifty-two percent more than the next closest player. I'm glad. I'm glad you went there. If not, I was going to go there. Just, well, if if you didn't, I was just going to nip it in the butt. As, yeah. Yes. Nip it. Nip it. Nip it over that's there. That's not. That's nip not it. the term, is it? <laughs> nip it in the uh, butt. I, I, I think don't it's know. Bud. I don't know. I don't know. Back, back, back to cooking. Here. Back to kinkily cooking the books. Is kinkily a word too? Um, but yeah, I mean cooking that's the, the thing. Books. That's yeah. the thing. And first of all, let's credit Alec Martinez for being an absolute friggin' warrior i mean you look at what happened last season it's just a terrible... in the bud i looked it up it okay bud. You, you googled it. Bud. You're, you're you're gonna start getting some weird advertisements now tony facebook and google are watching um <laughs> but you know shout out to alec martinez for being just a friggin' warrior i mean folks that hockey puck hurts i promise <laughs> you that hockey puck 
hurts when it hits you. I see it happen a bunch of times when I'm out there reffing and people are taking a 50 or 55 mile an hour slap shot to a spot that has padding. And he's out there just, you know, taking 90 mile an hour shots on spots where there's not padding. Just if you've never experienced that, folks, go. Um, all right, here you go. Go Happy Gilmore style. Go into the batting cages. Don't do this. Really don't do this. But, you know, take a couple of pitches maybe and, uh-huh. you know, and see how that feels. And then a hockey puck is worse, though. It's smaller and it's a harder object coming at you. So shout out to Alec Martinez for what he's out there accomplishing. And also, you know, sure, you got to nip it in the bud. You got to stop it, whatever. I mean, we're, we're talking about cliches and losing streaks and like a 13 and 14 it's right panic. now. It's panic. It's panic city all of a sudden. It, Why? It really, Why? It, it is amongst people like us, the way we're talking and now filtering this down to, um, you know, the, the however many people are going to watch this show and hear us talk about it and everything. But, you know, again, there is accountability. The bar is higher right now. And if this was Pete DeBoer's team, okay, if this was Pete DeBoer's team, he would have been up there smiling at the last two pressers. Oh, it just didn't work out. You know, we got to get more shots. I liked our game. We just got to get a little more traffic in front of the net and uh, we'll get there next time. And he'll be up there smiling the whole time. And, you know, like the same reaction of the team is winning or losing. And that's not what you have with Cassidy. Cassidy, I'm sure, is letting the guys know when things aren't going well. He's being honest with them. And, you know, if Cassidy would have his way, this team is going to finish with 122 points and, uh, you know, go get the President's Trophy uh, running away and have a deep run. And, you know, these games in mid-November, 11-17, 11-15, 11-13, against these bottom-feeding teams, call it what it is, you got to have them. You got to have two out of three of these games at least. And unfortunately, the reality is we're hoping to get one out of three of these games before uh, we go back on the road. Okay. So tonight, the 1,000th career game consecutively for Phil Kessel. Will there be a voucher for a free hot dog? I think it's dollar hot dogs. I don't know. Is it I'm dollar actually, hot dog night for I, I sold my tickets already because obviously I'll, I'll be wearing a different hat tonight. And like I never got Not that any, one that you're wearing. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, fine. But yeah, that's pretty good. But like I'm going through like my like I don't have this email about that people, <laughs> you know, received, I guess. And I mean, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm barely in the dollar, building. I'm dollar the hot second dogs the last, for, you know, for Kessel. I think that's what it is. I honestly don't know. I've seen people when, when, when someone, when you tagged me on that last night, Tony, I was at my kid's hockey practice. I'm like, I was laughing. I was laughing because it's clever. It's clever. Good promotion. Um, Lou, I think he comments as Lou dog. uh, Someone I've actually met who has got, um, got a family on the ice as well. Um, He follows the show. And so, so shout out if you're, if you're watching this, he, we were actually talking, he's like, I got the email right here. I'm like, some reporter I am. (laughs) That's funny. I'm not a so, reporter. I'm not a reporter. So uh, <laughs> the head coach of uh, the Coyotes, uh, Torgny, uh, he just said uh, that this was a team that was giving up 45 shots per night. Now they've done a better job defensively coming in, and it's down in the 20 shots on goal range. When you give a team <laughs> – this is the NHL trying to help out the Coyotes. You it's give fixed. them – it's fixed. That it is fixed because fixed. they give them a 14 game road swing, which is outlining bonding. They're going to help them in the end. This is for the tanking for Connor Bedard. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, 
you got all the teams tanking there. aren't doing it right, Tony. All the teams that are, you know, the Blackhawks and, and so the New fixed. Jersey Devils, they weren't tanking. But, you know, just looking at a couple of a couple of quick hits about the Coyotes, Clayton Keller, 17 points so far. Uh, young talent definitely coming to his own. Um, and a, a rookie, a, a, a Matthias Maselli, a card Maselli. that I'm pulling a ton of right now. Uh, he's sitting on uh, nine or ten points ten right points. now. Yeah. Nine assists, leads- one goal. He leads all the rookies in the National Hockey League. Yeah, so, I mean, the Coyotes, they have a tremendous amount of talent in the pipeline. You got Vizmelka in the goal, and uh, the Tucson Roadrunners are also pretty loaded with young talent. Um, they just split with the Silver Knights. Uh, the Silver Knights won 7-1 to one on, what day is this, Thursday? They won on Tuesday night, 7-1, to one, uh, Bressois back in that. And then last night, uh, I saw they were losing 4 nothing pretty late, unfortunately, but... You know, at least the Silver Knights, they had a nice little run of a couple decent games and finally are scratching the surface at, uh, you know, what they can do. And hopefully uh, they come back home on Saturday for a matinee at three o'clock. So hopefully uh, things will be better for our Silver Knights on Saturday. And uh, more importantly, hopefully our, our Golden Knights. I mean, a game like tonight, you know, score early, score quick. And I'm, we'll talk about that probably in a second right now, I'm assuming. Yeah, and uh, Jacob Chikrin is still out. Uh, Nick Smaltz, I really like him and his yeah. style. I think he caught hat trick against us what two years ago. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, he was really good against the VGK, and then also a lookout for Matthias Maselli is playing on that Bukestead line with Logan Kraus. Uh, so it's prediction time. Uh, keys to the game, all that. Um, three keys kind of just came to me. I want to see a VGK goal in the first three to five minutes of the game to get the crowd into it. Uh, got to get a power play goal, got to get a power play goal, at least even on the special team side, but got to get a power play goal tonight. Got to get that momentum and excitement back for when the team goes on the power play and a good physical game tonight. Um, I want to see a lot of hits. I want to see the, the home crowd really into it. Every time, uh, someone goes in the corner, knowing they're going to get tossed into that first row and eat nachos with someone. Um, as hot far dogs. as the game, it's, outcome, it's hot dogs tonight, not hot nachos. dogs. I'm sorry. Hot dogs. My bad. Uh, if there is a hat trick, what if what if Phil Kessel gets a here you go? Phil Kessel gets a hat trick on hot dog night and hot dogs rain on the ice. <laughs> How awesome would that be? Folks, just don't put ketchup on them because that would take a lot longer to clean up. Plus, if you if you put ketchup on your hot dog, that's just another remember Chicago boy here. So you you put you put ketchup on your hot dog, that's problems. But uh let's go with the low scoring game. Let's go with the three one winner. I think LT gets the call for his third that's consecutive mine. game. It's my and, prediction. Uh, oh, we both think they're going to win. They're, they're done. But the goal that the Silver Knights can't mess it up because the last two times the Silver Knights won, the Golden Knights lost. Um, you know, we'll, let's crack the reverse retro curse right now. We're 0-1 with the reverse retro jerseys on sale. Let's crack okay. the curse tonight, Tony. And ever since I mentioned that Thanksgiving trend, 0-2, 0-2. So, yeah, we're jinxing them all over the place. And uh, so shots on goal, I think, is going to be important. Again, if they're playing better defensively, the Coyotes – uh, VGK's got to attack uh, a sense of urgency obviously if Bruce Cassidy's seeing it I think that VGK is reverting back to its old ways in these last couple of games and not putting bodies in front of the net and all of that and uh, hopefully this uh, two-game losing streak Chris they could nip it in the butt take us home all right from my man Chris Golick, I'm Tony Kardaska. We thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Gonna nip this in the bud right now.